for Ken and Curtis with Ken Laird and Chris Curtis on WEEI. There you go. There you go, Joey. Kick along with Ram Jam. All right, now, Curtis, you recall the 2019 Cup Finals vividly, I'm sure. I do. It was Chara's moment, but then it wasn't. Came Biggest back with choke them. since the 07 Patriots. Oh, don't say that. I mean, it was a choke. They had a lead in the Cup Finals, so you can't get around that. And you had the Marshan line change. Team. I mean, the Blues are really great. <laughs> well, well, they were great that year, and now they're selling it all off all their parts. But uh, your man and mine, Kevin Paul Dupont, a couple weeks Duper. ago, had written a column that the Bruins should be in on Ryan O'Reilly, the Conn Smythe winner from 2019, the centerman who stared down Bergeron in that series and outplayed him. That is just inarguable. Instead, he goes to your rival, the Leafs, in an all-in trade for Toronto overnight. For a first, a second, a third, and I think maybe a fourth. There was a, a three-team deal in there. The Wild were involved, whatever. Plus, they got Nolachari, former Bruin forward. So, Toronto is all in. We just talked about Jakob Pertl and how the Celtics were not all in at the deadline. Deadline's coming up for the Bruins. They have passed on uh, Bo Horvat, who's going to play for the Islanders tonight. Bees in the Isles played. That was the number one target on the market. And now they've let O'Reilly go to Toronto, who they might face in the second round. If Toronto gets past Tampa, are you nervous at all about the Bruins and their activity here coming up before the trade deadline? I am not, but I have a number for you. Good. 54. That's the number of years, the longest drought in NHL history between Stanley Cup championships, which was broken by Messier in the Rangers in 1994. Yeah. The Maple Leafs currently sit at 53. Yeah, 67. 1967, right? So this is a year where I think the Leafs win it all, unfortunately, because that's what happens. I'm a numerologist. Wow. It's a big thing in my world. But um, I would love to – like, the, the passion – I mean, the Maple Leafs are Toronto, basically. I know they like the Blue Jays, whatever, and the Raptors, but the, the Leafs are everything there. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the amount of money that's been spent, the amount of general managers they've gone through, and then now, I don't know, this is bad news for the Bruins and – this sets the stage for the Bruins needing to do something to improve this roster. I don't think they should trade Swayman, no matter what Milbury and Wiggy say. Um, yeah, that's, but, that's kooky talk. I, I agree. But oh. they, And it's such an easy second guess should something happen to right. Linus. Like, hurt you. What, you why would you ever? I mean, just speaking professionally, if you're Sweeney, why would you ever do that? But, um, you know, as I said, Milbury did give DiPietro a 23-year deal, so he does kooky <laughs> things. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, the this is a make-or-break spring for both of the Bruins and the Celtics. There's no way, no way around it. The Bruins have to win a cup this year, considering the historical pace they are on. And the Celtics, the only way they improve off of last season is winning two more games in the playoffs than they did. So... I understand you're a big Jakob Pertl guy, yeah. but I can't get worked up about the Celtics trade deadline. They have the, they have a great team. They, you know, Mustaka, whatever the guy is, Muscala. Um, the Moose. You know, he can wrap his way through the finals. But the Bruins, when is the deadline again? March 3rd. Okay, so you got a couple weeks here. They should do something that improves their roster today without care of the next two to three years. And they usually do. And one thing to Sweeney's credit, he's been able to make these trades like Lindholm, Hampus Lindholm last year and Taylor Hall 
and then extend the guys and make them stick with the organization. So that's even better. And that's part of DuPont's overall point. If they had traded for O'Reilly, you've got Bergeron and Krejci who are old. You could extend him and fix your future at the center position by doing so. But in this case, they weren't in on that. So, you know, you, they're, that is a concern. There's no doubt the Bergeron and Krejci fading as the season goes along. It's, it's got to be a concern just given their age. So, Are we going to see any load management? <laughs> we might see some load management. I don't know. Anyway, your thoughts on the Bruins welcome. And by the way, tomorrow, the debut of Sunday Skate with Andrew Razor Raycroft and our own Scott McLaughlin, 10 a.m. every Sunday. That is forward. a great point, though, from Dupes and you, which is that unlike the NBA playoffs, you're every other night basically in the mm-hmm. NHL. And if age is a concern, I mean, that would be that would be something that would be very high on my list to address, a way in which to get a little younger at a key spot yep. as center. you enter the playoffs. Center depth. Yeah. Let's go to, um, before we get back to the Red Sox and some other things, Mike and Framingham on the line. Hi, Mike. Hey, doing? Earlier when Chris was talking about the cost-benefit analysis of football, back in 2019 when the Pats uh, were playing against KC and Brady threw a pick, there was a, a defensive end that was offside, so it extended D4. the play. So so now should, should the ref have eaten the whistle, or should he have thought, oh, you know what, let me blow, let me blow the whistle to keep the drive alive. Is that, is that, it's going to be WWE wrestling, man. Okay, do you not understand the definition of a, like a pre-snap penalty versus an, a, 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 a judgment call? It's not a judgment of offsides so, or not offsides. You either are or you aren't. Okay. Wait, and it, in the, the flag, and Mike, in this case, the flag was thrown yeah. at the snap. Brady sees yep. the flag thrown, knows what it's for. And you throw the ball, as opposed to after the ball lands incomplete in the end zone, okay. throwing a flag. And the cost-benefit analysis should be on the player, not on the ref. Players should know when they can hold. When, just like what you were saying before, um, he goes, players hold all the time. They should know when they can get away with certain things and when they shouldn't get away with something. something. Right. They got away with it in the second quarter, which according to yeah. every NFL and football game I've ever played in or watched, you know that they're not going to call it again in the fourth quarter if they let it go earlier in the game. Every DB knows on a double move, you play off, you don't hold. See, you keep the deflecting it to something else. So they, they yeah, didn't no, call a more it's egregious hold in the first play. half, and they called it at the most important play of the game. The, 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 play should, the call should be called, just like in basketball. If you, okay. if you make Another two foul calls at the beginning of the game on somebody, the game's over yeah. on a stud. So, so when, when should they make the calls? When the two-minute warning hits, you stop making no, the calls? No, you shouldn't throw a flag on the most important play in the game after the ball lands incomplete. Well, don't don't hold. That's it. That's on the player. Uh, if you okay, want to cite Wiggy, Mike, if you want to cite Wiggy, Wiggy said to me while agreeing with my opinion on this this week that you could find a defensive hold on every drop back. And it's not a story that Bradbury holds. The players hold a bunch of times because they, they know they can get away with it. Okay. And sometimes they, they accept that they get when they get called. So he should accept the fact that he got called. Okay, the, the offsides is offsides. It's different than a hold in the secondary. There's far less judgment on an offsides call than there is on a defensive hold. Would you agree, Ken? Totally agree. Okay, I so would agree. Hold, holding simple. Holding, <laughs> holding, nah, holding. No, you got to judge the the level of hold. There's a right. level of disadvantage you're putting the receiver at. And by the way. Which, they called offsides on the second two-point conversion of Super Bowl 51 when Amendola caught it and went over the end zone. They call it no matter the it's, – it's a, it's a penalty or it's not. Am I, I, mean, am I yeah, losing my mind? No, there's one that's black and white, and there's one that has some nuance. Now, okay. the non-call in the Nickel Roby coleman new Orleans Saints-NFC uh, title game, was that worse than this one? 
Um, that was worse than this, yeah. By a lot. Yeah. I mean, I guess, except it's at the end of the game and you default to letting the players dictate it. I almost think that this is worse than that one. And by the just, way, just so Mike, on- when Mike from Framingham sees a Hail Mary at the end of the half and there are guys literally decking people out of the way, <laughs> he thinks they should call pass interference in the end zone. I mean, think before you speak. My God. 617-779-7937. Now, the Red Sox uh, are in Fort Myers. Big day down there. Dustin Pedroia, Petey is on hand. Dwight Evans, Jim Rice. Cora is speaking now. And I do want to revisit at some point this hour your blockbuster take out of the gate that Cora, it's a make-or-break year for Alex Cora. He is on the hot seat, you're saying. And I am very concerned about Bill Belichick. I've seen a picture. It's been sent to me three different times this morning. What? He's in Fall River ordering a sandwich. <laughs> I don't What's wrong like, with that? It's a bizarre offseason for Bill. I don't know. You think I mean, you saw Steve from Fall River while he was down there? Uh, they, they, they're, they're in a book club. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will uh, get to some Sox thoughts. And uh, now Danny from Quincy is queued up. The last time we heard from Danny, it didn't end well, and it was bizarre. Yeah, I I would say the second Danny diverts off of his point, we say goodbye. So if you want to talk about this, if you want to do... I would like to get you two kids back together again. It's been bothering me, to be honest, for multiple weeks. It's been a a staple of the Ken and Curtis show since we launched. I think we're doing just fine. Ted Curtis Show leading into the Arcand Experience. That'll be 1-4. to four. And Bradfo live in Fort Myers, 4 to 6 p.m., followed by Curtis, the 90-minute spectacular that is. Castiglione, Fleming, John Sterling, and Susan Waldman. 90 minutes of straight baseball talk uninterrupted. It's like the Sharks and the Jets. It really is. And what a shot by John Sterling, picking the Red Sox to finish last. At the end of that program, which we're here tonight, six to seven thirty. Then we got the outdoor game tonight, Sunday state debut fid- tomorrow. Were you a big fiddler on the roof fan growing up? <laughs> sure, of course. Who wasn't? Yeah. All right. Now, before we get into the Red Sox and, and things happening down there, so what happened with you and Danny from Quincy a couple weeks ago? It was it was very strange. It was very odd. He's got a lot of. I, I would love to talk to Danny about uh, the sports uh, when he goes back in time. Not really for me about <clears throat> screaming about stupid things that he well, creates. Well, he was upset at something you said. Right. So do you want to apologize uh, before you bring him on, or do you want to just... <laughs> Do I want to apologize? I don't know. He's upset about it. I th- uh, why do I care if Danny's upset about it? He's a, he's a valued caller of the show, valued listener of EEI. Uh, I thought our best shows were the last two weeks. <sighs> Sorry, Danny, I tried to make that a more Sorry, man. gentle entry. Right. But... I only get hurt by people I like, and I felt I wasn't even going to talk about it, but I went back and listened to the show again, and I, I knew you said it, but... You know, you 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 you, you bummed me out, Curtis. You really did. You went you went to a place you didn't have to go to. Ken, this is what I'm talking about. If you want to do well, this, just, I'm not no, doing. No, you dishonored my. Well, you brought it up, so you dishonored yeah, my dad. What did like, I? No. What did I bring up, Danny? Uh, something about the Battle of the Bulge because I bring it up during Veterans Day and I bring it up during Christmas time. Yeah, both and, my grandparents fought in World War II. Ken's right. dad well, was then, served in Vietnam. I, I love the military. I just don't yeah, talk about it every week. Okay, well that's well, but the thing is, you are so quick witted on the air. You could come up with anything related to sports. Me, t- take a shot at me. I don't care. And, and, and you went there, and I couldn't believe it. I didn't it. It like, go there. We have a limited real. amount of time on a show that people want to hear us talk about sports they care about. They don't want to relitigate things in the past. 
I don't. I, I love. I love America. There's nobody that loves America more than I do. It's the greatest place on earth. It's the greatest gift of my life that I was born here. I love it here. It has nothing to do with a measuring contest about who loves it more. The reason I'm able to speak on the radio is because of the greatest generation killing Nazis. I love them all for it. Thank you all. Now get to sports. Which is why I couldn't understand why you went there. That's you see all. what I'm talking about, Ken? Okay. Now he goes back right. to it. All right, we're fine. We're right. moving on. You always have to have the last on word that. on it, Danny. Okay. I just explained it to you. We move forward. People can make their own conclusions. Right. Well, Next. that's why I called, Curtis. If there was a way I could talk to you privately and, and talk about it, I would. But I can't. Oh, yeah, so. exactly. Okay, carry on. Okay. All right. Um, you know, you were talking about, let's, let's go back to the Chicago game. Matt Jones deserved to be benched in that game. He deserved to be benched. He was playing like crap. He had an injury. And for a brief moment there, um, what were you thinking? Like, okay, so Zappi gets the, the – he throws the pick. Zappi drives him down. They get a touchdown. I mean, and, and then they get the – then they get – the defense gets an interception. Drive, drive, Zappi drives him down and gets another touchdown. What were you thinking? Yeah, but it was a quick hook. I mean – Correct me if I'm wrong. He was benched. He got two series in the game. How many did Matt get? Maybe three. Who is Matt Jones? Third series. Who is Matt Jones? He's got no resume. The guy. The guy came into the league an entitled, spoiled brat, protected by a team uh, by Alabama who was a fortress. He, he never had a hard play in Alabama in his life. Now he's in the NFL. If he had that team in front of him, he still would be struggling because it's the NFL, which we all know is not for long because Parcells made that statement, he was right about it. This guy is an entitled brat. He knew he had the media on his side the second year. The second year was the year the media should have been critical of him, not the first year. Everybody was kissing his, everybody was ripping him the first year, and now they went and kissed his ass the second year. Only because it was the classic enemy of my enemy. And Matt Jones knew it. He knew he had the media on his, on his back because of what Belichick did with the coaching staff. And he took advantage of it. As far as I'm concerned, I want to see Zappy play again. I would be all in for getting rid of that spoiled brat. I can't stand mm. the guy. Okay? Right. So that's it. And, and Curtis, I, you know, back to sports. <laughs> you, you said you, it's, your, it's the media's job to make uh, people uncomfortable, that are comfortable. Correct. You know? Every time I try that with you, you get defensive and you cut me off. And then... You have Skarnacki on the on 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 the wait, air wait, with wait, him. Wait. He's been on a half a dozen times in the last six months. He's mentioned the cap three or four times, and you've never even pushed back on him at all because okay. of your personal Danny, relationship. Danny, if I may, that's if true. I may, that's true. What do you, Ken? Go play the question. I. What are you talking about? Well, you just agreed to what disagree. Do you, what, I mean, what? Do you, no. I follow. He's hey, mad at me. He hasn't replied to my text since I followed up with him. Yeah. Oh no. On the on the cap. The cap. So okay. go back and listen to it. You know, I hate to give, you know, reply with the truth, but if you want to go back and listen to the final question of the last interview of Dante, because he was going on about the cap, and I was like, I need to confront him on this because I disagree. So go back. The people can make their own choice. We can relitigate that later. I happen to disagree. But whether it's called a cap or a budget, it doesn't really matter. Right? I mean, you either have the money to spend or you don't. Correct. And the way in which teams have circumvented the cap by guaranteeing more money has been one way to avoid penalties or, you know, a, a roster crunch that others have seemed to use it as, as an excuse. And today, on February 18th, a team that had a three-year head start without Brady after going all in 
has the same odds to win the Super Bowl as the one that's in cap jail in and the, Tampa. And they both may be fighting for Jimmy Garoppolo. But, I mean, it's just – and I don't even know what the point of Danny is when he brings up the cap. It just went up another 12% this year. It goes up every season. The owners have an additional $321 million coming to them before a ball is snapped. So if you want – you know, we can figure out ways to do this. If the owners wanted to remove the cap today, it'd be gone. It's, an, it's a creation. It's collusion that's legal is what a cap is. You're, you're trying to mitigate the market value – of your players by creating a cap which limits the spending of each team. Isn't that the definition of it? Well, yeah. I mean, th- they believe it keeps owners in check, right? It can- prevents them from damaging themselves over to, to baseball where you get the Mets owners spending, what, $400 million this year? But in, but that, why shouldn't we allow it to be a free market system? Why should we prevent people from spending top dollar? I mean, that's fine if you're in a big market, but it's just... It makes small markets irrelevant, if that's what well, you want. Well, last time I checked, Carolina and Green Bay were each getting $321 million this year. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> well, how, how small market is it? Well, how about, a base- getting- how about a baseball? You think the Pirates are going to compete this year? But or? there isn't a cap in baseball. <clears throat> well, there sort of is. No, but it's the same thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's really it's the same cap. thing. It's just a different name. Everyone's anyway. forgetting about the luxury tax. Like that, they, when they initiated right, don't it. Don't forget the luxury tax. Yeah, when they initiated it, they thought it was going to do that. But that's the point, is that the Warriors are spending like $500 million, including the tax. If you want to spend money, you can. And yeah, no, I don't know. Nobody's debating that. It's just that you disagree that it will have adverse ramifications on your franchise down the road. Ken, after the Bucks won their title, you spent that entire offseason saying that they were going to be absolutely gutted because of the cap. Right. What they are their odds to win everybody this year? back. No, but I'm, I'm expressing to you, you've been wrong every year. I haven't. They didn't win either of the years after that. They had no depth. But, but they were a better team the second year. Brady just lost in the playoffs to the Dallas Cowboys. He went out with his right. tail between his legs. But, it was yeah, embarrassing. But, but that, that has nothing to do. <laughs> you know embarrassing. But <laughs> that, that there was literally no cap ramifications. Honestly, year one who to year loses two? to Dallas in the playoffs? What a terrible ending for Brady. Just one more when you think about that. Like, my God, that's the way he went out? Why would you retire after that? How could you retire after that? Ken, I love you, but I, I, I can't tell you how many times I think back and wonder how Jordan's career would have been viewed if he didn't end up missing the playoffs with the Wizards. I honestly, I, sleep, I stay up at night thinking, <laughs> or, you know, I, I sit back and I think about the great one and how I would really view his career if he wasn't a middling nobody on the Rangers missing the playoffs in his final year. By the I way, really do. I, I think back and I say, you know, when Ken Laird said that Tom Brady has a stain on his resume, how right he was. Or when Ken Laird said it was a bad thing that the Bucks beat the Packers in the NFC title game because he was going to, quote, get his ass kicked by the Chiefs of the Super Bowl. I mean, I could go back in time all day long, if you'd like, by with the way, every dumb thing you've said. Ben Volan, our buddy still thinks Brady will come back. He Yes, he filed the paperwork, but until he signs a cap-friendly uh, deal with the Bucks to relieve them of some dead money, he could still come back when things are in his favor, whether it's the summer, whether it's the fall, whatever. It is not a done deal yet, and he may be right about that. Yeah, I, I, I would be shocked if he came back. Um, I do not think it will be healthy for him. Oh, by the way... Um, you know, just because you, you really are a dink sometimes, but nonetheless, the um, I tweeted it out to get a better historical understanding of the Mahomes love after winning his second. I went back to read some of the stories after the Patriots won their second against the Panthers, and Mike Silver, who can be speaking of a dink, kind of a dink, but 
back when the Sports Illustrated existed, wrote a phenomenal story about what the second title meant. And while they weren't called a dynasty, it really all changed after the Patriots won their second because they were kind of a fluke. The Patriots got their title. You know, there was no historical greatness at all with the Patriots up until that point. And when they came back after getting down by a point in the fourth quarter and they, you know, they beat the Panthers and they've won two or three, all that, everything changed with the national conversation. And there are similarities to that in Mahomes that, you know, while Mahomes has been, you know, the opposite in terms of on a ballyhooed team, he's one of the you know best players in the league, won an MVP before winning a second. The, the way in which the, the weight of the second is so much greater than the first when it comes to historical significance and the, the the Chiefs really did overcome a ton in terms of the the late win against the Bengals, no matter how much help they got, and the comeback and the, by ten points in the in the second half against the uh, the Eagles. So it, there was a lot of butthurt Patriot fans, including myself, about the adoration and the coronation of a dynasty when it took the Patriots much longer. But if you go back and actually read the things that were written at the time. The Patriots got almost the same amount of love. One thing Shaughnessy pointed out in his column uh, yesterday for the in the Globe was this USA Today thing. This was back before the Super Bowl, but they ranked the 57 greatest NFL teams to play in the game, and there was not a Patriots team in the top 14. In fact, the highest ranking Patriots team was the 07 undefeated team. So, it. I, I mean, I don't think that's universally felt that way, but. Uh, it's just bizarre to see that. I mean, like the Bears, the uh, 1985 Bears are number one on the list, et cetera, et cetera. But as time goes on, do you think this will be a common opinion from some in the national media that the Patriots never had a great team individually that somehow, like, takes away from their dynasty? I don't know. It's just It was strange to see that. Uh, it, unfortunately, what I predicted at the time, what I think will end up happening, is that the Patriots will be the Bulls, that... There will be that double the double the length of time, but same center centerpiece person, whether it was Jordan or Brady. Great longevity, which takes away from their individual season, right? Greatness, and and there will be no real titles before or after. So you have this like standalone period that you don't can't really discern. O three versus sixteen, you know, greatest game ever will be 50, Super Bowl fifty one, and. You know, individually, there was great things overcome, whether it was the Legion of Boom down 10 points in the fourth quarter, 25 points to the Falcons, you know, the great defensive performance by the Patriots in Super Bowl 53, you know, going back and, you know, whatever, McNabb throwing up on the field, T.O. I mean, there are different things that you can pick from each game, but it really was the, the duration and the clutch performances, but there wasn't a specific, I would say 03-04, maybe the best two-year run in NFL history. Where you win, where you, where you have the twenty-two game, game yeah. twenty-one game winning streak. Yep. You have two fourteen and two seasons. Each year you beat the MVP. You you know it, they were pretty impressive. You know the O four playoff, the O four season as a whole, where you uh, you beat the the Colts at home in Manning, the MVP in the divisional round. You blow out the fifteen and one Steelers, avenge one of your two losses in the regular season, yep. and then you beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Maybe the most impressive season. Six one seven. Seven seven nine seven ninety three seven. Don't forget, check us out on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Never a problem with the app. Always running smoothly. Rewind feature, chapter titles during the uh, the week. Gotta love that. And the Kenny Curtis Show on your weekend. By uh, the way, I just saw this tweet from our friend D.A., who we were re- referencing with uh, Ben Volan's interview. Bullies of Baltimore is a 30 for 30 on the 2000 Ravens. 
Do you think there's any white suit in there? I mean, it's amazing to me. <laughs> well, maybe. If it's like, Bullies of Baltimore. Uh, if you want to bet right now. who Who's doing the product? Is it NFL 30 production? 30 ESPN. Oh, ESPN. Uh, ESPN, maybe. Maybe. I did see the first half of that when it when it was premiering because I think it premiered right after the uh, the Pro Bowl, so like right before the. Oh, uh, did they have white they, suit? Um, I want to say they didn't. Yeah, well, okay. Right. Curtis is okay. probably right about that. Thank you. Now back to Fort Myers, where Bradfield will be coming to you live four to six p.m. today. Good news on the Chris Sale front, Curtis. All right. Ian Brown reporting. Chris Sale had another good side session today. The plan is that he will throw a couple of sim innings Tuesday, and if all goes well, we'll be facing hitters. So, bang. All this negativity in this town. It quote sucks. Rick Pitino, it sucks. 78 and a half go way over on your FanDuel app, or whatever it is that you're using. This team's going to surprise shades of 2013. A couple reasons. Bullpen is way improved. You would agree? They got a closer. They got several pieces in there. They removed several pieces. Better bullpen. They blew over 20 games. I think almost 30 games last year. Yes? Uh, Yep, they did. Okay. That's big. Two new outfielders. Last year, they combined for like 20 home runs in the outfield. Yoshida and Duvall going to give you some pop in the outfield. Advantage outfield. David Duvall, one of my favorite golfers. First base, Tristan Cassis. He is going to make Bloom look good. Emerging power at first. Did you see the photos on Twitter? He painted his nails. He painted his nails red. I like it. I'm not really sure what that's all about, but fine. I'm going to go with it. You got Devers on a new extension. Braverman could have been like, did you see that guy in the socks who killed the guy? I like it. I don't know what he was doing, but good move. He probably earned it. And Chris Sale looking good. When he is healthy, he is one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's been a while, I grant you. but I, but You love people that are injured. Like, your obsession with Jimmy G and Chris Sale is so weird. Well, like, Jimmy G, by the way, his record, career record is 40 and 17. There is going to be a market for him, a big market this offseason. You he, wanted to give Koufax a lifetime deal. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why the Red Sox stink. Why, 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 do you, stink? why are they well, in the I don't know. Their over under for wins is 78 and a half. Right. So you're, you're just sucker money. You're just uh, the public that doesn't you know look deeper than last year's finish. Are you <laughs> saying the people at FanDuel are suckers? No, because they're getting people like you to bet. The under. That's okay, why they good. said it there. So I, got it. I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. It's a better team. Red Sox <laughs> are a much improved team. That's what I'm sticking with. But you think Cora's on the hot seat, which is amazing. I, I do find that to be interesting. So if they let's say that they are uh, 72 and 90 this year, okay? So and my God, that's not possible. 72. Well, the over under is 78. How crazy is that? You say they're going to win 90. That's far more wins above the over under than I am. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. 72 and 90. Go ahead. So they're 72 and 90, and they are, you know, just middling all year. Nothing really goes right, but they're relatively healthy. You're not telling me now that we are five years removed from 18, which you even admit has the stain on it. And who is Cora long term? What's, you know, what is, who is he as a manager? He's now had three seasons without the, after the suspension, and they made the playoffs once, missed it twice, and were in last place in two of those three years. I don't know. It doesn't seem too crazy to me. Well, there's, you, you're, uh, you make a good point. Here's another reason to believe in the Red Sox. Cora is good at manipulating rules. <laughs> Therefore, we've got three new ones this year. Who better in baseball than to take advantage of the pitch clock, the shift, the elimination of the shift, and the bigger bases? That is big. 
Coming up next, we're going to explain to you tonight on the Red Sox Radio Network how Cora will get past the rule change. Do you agree Don't with leave. me that the Red Sox are underrated? 617 779 wins. Okay, that's about right. And uh, Arcan will join us next to discuss. Nothing that makes me happier, Curtis, than a full board of Red Sox calls as we exit here, stage left for Arcan at one. So we're going to grind through them. Everybody, Lightning round. Everybody agreeing with me, I'm sure, at my 90-win prediction here on the Kenny Curtis Show. Let's go with Rick and Plymouth first. Hi, Rick. I'm going to be the first one to trash you. Now, yes. Where are you getting 90 wins? I've got them at maybe outside 76, and that's if things go well. It's a better um, it's a better roster than last year, and they play less division what are, games. What are we going to use for starting pitching? Chris Sale is going to be gone by the Boston Marathon. Oh come on! I mean, he, he's not. When when's the last time he pitched a healthy season? All right, really? Well, they signed Kluber. What do you want? Can you answer Listen, his question? I will go on record. I will go on record of this. The Boston Red Sox will never win another World Series as long as John Henry owns this team. Ugh. He doesn't get. He doesn't give a rat's. You know what about the Red Sox anymore? He cares about the Penguins. He cares about the NBA. He cares about everything but the Red Sox. He's not putting any resources into this team. And as far as I'm concerned, the Red Sox are a disaster. They're a train wreck waiting to happen. And God save the Commonwealth. <laughs> All right, Rick. Thank you. What about Bayo? What about Whitlock? I, I will say what about this. Hauk? While what a lot of Rick said there is uh, unfair to Henry considering the success, I have to say... Nobody is to blame but the organization for the way in which the fans feel about them. So accountability goes a long way, and it matters more here. I don't mean here in Jupiter. I mean in Boston, where in New England, it's just something about us that, you know, if you're going to look us in the eye and and, and lie to us, then we're never going to listen to you again. And I really feel that they believed that being the Henry-led Fenway Sports Grip stewardship of this ownership of the team, they believe that results were the only thing that mattered. And while there are parts to that that are accurate, and Wiggy makes this point you know, daily during the Greg Hill Show, and he's not wrong, mm-hmm. it is also vitally important if you're asking for our money for a product that you are accountable when things don't go your way. And the little things like editing out elements of a fan, basically what you're doing with that broadcast is you're removing the fan's voice. And it's just, it's so short-sighted and small for people to do that type of crap. And it's its so unbecoming of a group that should stand on its laurels and say, we hear you. Like, that's what I said that Monday morning. My lead on the Greg Hill Show was very simple, that that was a good weekend. Well, Sam you Kennedy had, agreed with you. Right. But, but how much did he agree with me because we were talking on the radio, and he didn't obviously agree enough to tell Nesson to actually include it. So... We are a group that says actions over words, and by removing the booing, what you were in essence doing is stifling the fan's voice, and it's so stupid to have done that. I just don't get it. Let's go to Dave in Springfield. Hi, Dave. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? You know, whoever was betting on them being 90 wins, I think, is is wrong. They got no, uh, uh, we don't know who's going to play second, we don't know who's going to play short. And uh, we don't know who's going to play catcher. We got players, but they're all like journeyman players. Number one, number two, no, Yoshida. Yoshida is going to be the, be the MVP according to Ken. Look out! Yeah, well, we'll see, won't we? And I agree about the, with the other caller about uh, Chris Sale. 
Uh, he, he'll never make it through the season. I think his best days are long gone. And uh, the uh, I think that the, I see a lot of these people uh, getting signed for one-year contracts. I think they're trying to get through until they can some of their prospect, prospects can uh, mature. You know, or yeah, which so may, that's you know, it. you're right, Dave. Mayor is going to be next year, late next year. And, and, you know the point, uh, Ken. Sorry to interrupt, but you know the point with. Um, there was a caller, I don't know who made it, it was a good point, about the Belichick not being allowed to leave the cupboard bare that the craft, craft needs to step in. Yeah. Well, by the time we know if Haim is really good at this or not, it'll be too late if he's not. <laughs> because, right, I mean, he's be, Haim would be being transparently honest if he says, I need time to develop these players. And yet, if you wait for him to develop these guys, if Marcelo Mayo is one of the 60% of top prospects that don't, actually reach the potential that was seen in them, then you're you're S out of luck, right? Yeah, well... Ken, I mean, so I mean, how do you do this without giving a guy too much rope if he's not good at his job? I guess, but Cassis, even though it's not Bloom's guy, they're, they're opening the door for him to play. So if they get... Because he was 2018 pick, right? I don't think he was Bloom's guy. No, but, he was not. So, but if he has a good year, that's enough. That's like, okay, they're going young... Where did you have Cassis graded in your mock that year? <laughs> I had him as a sixty. Okay. Yeah. Depend. What, what are you talking about? Power. Uh, no. Like, fielding, where did you have him going? I had him top arm? five. Oh, I don't did. know where. He, okay. he, was, he was. He was a huge. I mean, you can't get corner power anymore. You need him. <laughs> I do. I, I, the one thing about the Red Sox, they are as interesting as they've ever been in spring. There's a lot of things to follow. Then why is nobody covering it? Well, Bradford's down there. I know, but did you see that? I think who was it, Shaughnessy or McAdam had the tweet that he said that there were like uh, five yeah, people. Was, that's early. The big no, he was comparing it to the exact same stage in every other year. No, but Monday's the big day because you're right about Henry. Henry and Warner, that's the day, first full squad that they normally have. Well, they used to speak, so they might speak together Monday, and that would be a statement, wouldn't you think? It, I have an idea for Bradfo. We put a couple mics hidden around the dais and we play booing and see what their reaction is. <laughs> Uh, all right, so you're in Florida for another couple of days, then you're back on the Great Hill Show on Tuesday, correct? Tuesday morning, we will be uh, off, and uh, I am I'm looking forward to a little uh, Islanders bees action today. Should be interesting. And Brian Bayo, according to you, will be perfectly fine all year. Correct? Perfectly fine by Monday. He'll be back in. He said uh, he feel he feels fine. Right? Didn't you say that? What was the he quote? Said you that he's not worried about it. He's not. But worried. He's never had pain like this before in his forearm. And the team is quote very confident. They just posted all, footage of him with a sled in the outfield, seriously, on the warning track. He's like pulling a sled. You know what I always think twice about in my uh, experience? When people put very in front of things, because it's like you're, you're overcompensating for your fear. Yeah, like yeah. it's just saying we're confident. We're very, oh, we're very confident. That means you're not, but well, maybe I'm wrong. All right, Arcand is here. He's ready to take over. Uh, he'll be at the top of the hour, 1 to 4 today. What's coming up on the Arcand Show? Uh, we're going to be talking with Jared Weiss at The Athletic and uh, our own Scott McLaughlin, whose Ooh. show, uh, The Sunday Skate with Razor, is the first show tomorrow. Is that right? 10 a.m. tomorrow. Well, that's timely, two-thirds of the way through the season. Good to get that started up. And, uh, Curtis, man, I miss you, buddy. Uh, Matt Siegel didn't do this many shows uh, from Florida, but I uh, hope you have a good long weekend. Oh, it is great. I'm actually at <laughs> Siegel's place. We're hanging out. We we both hate Kiss 108 with a passion. There you go. Um, but, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be talking a lot. We'll be talking a lot of Celtics to start off, Bruins, too, and uh, we'll, we'll go over some other football stories from the week. It's uh, been a busy week. so I loved this week on the Jones and Mago featuring Arcan show. I love seeing you lose your mind with – 
with Jones a couple of times. Very good, very entertaining stuff. Well, it's been a while. It's been a while because, like, I don't. If people assume that you just blow up with Joe every single day, and that's not true. Because if you do that, you'll you just your Nick Cattles yourself all the way out to Sacramento. You'll <laughs> oh. never. You know what I mean? You can't. You can't. There's no way you can uh, survive that way. So you gotta <laughs> sort of pick your spots. You gotta pick and choose when you when you blow up, and and you have to. You can't die on every hill. You, you know, what show I mean? some restraint. That's exactly right. Right. Mego's got to learn that too. You've done a great job. <laughs> Those are words to live by. You can't cattles yourself. Yeah, exactly. That is a very smart thing. <laughs> That's like Munson. It's like a, it's a new verb. <laughs> Kingpin. Very good. I like Nick, by the way. Nick and I, uh, I did like two shows with him when I first started there, and then he left. <laughs> he said, I'm out of here. <laughs> but uh, I like Nick. Nick's a good guy. Got to love the radio business. Absolutely. All right. Joe Braverman, great job. Stiz Grimey takes over on the controls for the Christian Arcan experience. That's next.